You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question from HW, and he says he's having a hard time understanding how Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10 go together. So now hang on. You, you conclude HW is a male? Yeah, I do. Interesting. You think it's a woman? Well, I read it as a woman's question. Okay. That is fascinating. Okay. Well, Perspective. Yeah. All right. So Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Dad, read that for us really quickly. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, so our male or female HW, you know, <laughs> breaks this down and says, this is amazing. We're saved by grace. We can't boast based on our works. We can have peace with God and rest in the confidence of our salvation. That's a crucial difference between our faith in Christ alone and every other religion's burden on human beings to try to keep working hard enough to please a perfect God. But then Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 10, now this is a slightly longer passage, but I still want you to read the whole thing for us. So this is Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 10 in the NASB, of course. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have this as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So H.W. says, you know, this states that our works will be revealed when we stand before the judgment seat, specifically what we have done in the body, whether good or evil. If we are to, quote unquote, receive what is due, that's a daunting thought, knowing how human we believers still are, knowing how of the flesh we still are. And H.W. goes on to say, even Paul himself in Romans 7 says that he does things that he doesn't want to do and fails to do the things he should do, and that Jesus is the only one who can deliver us from this struggle. As believers, if our sins are as far as the east is from the west, then is it only our good works that will be revealed at the judgment seat? In our human minds, even that sounds like it could be a bit of competition. If we strive here to do enough good for Jesus to make a positive showing at the judgment seat. Dr. E. Well, you got to continue. He, he or she writes, how can the peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4, mm. 7, guard our hearts and minds? And how can we rest in the good news of what Jesus has done? When we know that the judgment seat is coming and we still live. And the Romans 7 tension of being human. And then H.W. says, thank you for your help. That's a statement of faith right there (laughs) (laughs) that we can help. Uh, First of all, our broadcast is called In Context for a Reason. So we want to consider these passages in context that H.W. has cited. Now, the challenge we have here on the one hand is what do they mean in their setting? And then when we do these comparisons, we're, we're doing theology in a way. Right. But we want to be careful we're not doing piecemeal theology or cherry-picking verses. And I'm not saying that to be critical of HW. I'm just saying any of us, when we come to something like this, that sounds like this when we kind of run around a bit. I want to start, first of all, by adding Ephesians 2.10 to the quotation. Mm -hmm. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So let's try to tie up Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, and what it means. We're saved by grace. Not to be too technical, but the means by which we're saved, or the way we appropriate salvation, is grace through faith, not works. So Paul's saying, your salvation is not of works, but faith, Mm -hmm. the gracious work of God. So if we keep that train of thought in verse 10, he's saying we're prepared for beforehand for these good works. So I think there's a really important connection. We don't work to obtain salvation. We are God's work created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A little bit long, but we don't work to be saved. We're God's workmanship. Jesus made us for good works, and those works were made before we were ever called to salvation. So it's an interesting thing he's doing. We think of this passage primarily as salvation. That's where most of us come to it. But as our dear friend Ralph Weitz often says, Ephesians 2.10 is the most ignored verse in the Bible. Right. (laughs) Because there are good works we're supposed to do. Now, I find it striking, and this is where my mind can go into a rabbit hole of study, but when Paul says, which God prepared beforehand, mm-hmm. in the book of Ephesians, that term is used in Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Mm-hmm. So he's already established in one four. He called us before we were made, uh-huh. but we can't work our way to God. God worked his way to us. Right. The work he accomplished in Christ, we are now to do. So it's a pretty interesting uh, concept that these good works are an outflow. Larry Moyer said, once we come to Christ, our life should be a thank you back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not about doing good works to be saved or, or as we're going to look at in a minute for reward or merit. Mm-hmm. But this is a thank you back to God mm-hmm. that I would do the things he wants me to do. So let's tie together then Second Corinthians 5 verses 6 and 10, and we've already read it, so I won't read it again, other than the phrase, to be pleasing to him. And that passage really has to do with the fear of dying, mm-hmm. and that I don't want to die, and he, Paul says that I'd rather be absent from the body at home with the Lord. Yep. Uh, but if we're here, we want to be pleasing to him, and that's where the judgment seat of Christ comes into play. So let's zero in on the question then about the judgment seat. Recompense for his deeds in the body, according to what he's done, whether good or bad. So to live by faith, not sight, verse 7, Paul says his apostolic ministry was a work. He was working to please him. So I think that means all believers are going to appear before the judgment seat. That's what the text says. Our deeds are going to be evaluated as good or bad. Now that latter word, bad, uh, is really more low grade or substandard. It's not like bad, wicked, like evil, right? And if you tie back to this, the beginning of this passage, it makes a lot of sense. We'll look at it in just a moment. But the judgment seat of Christ is not about salvation. Let's mm-hmm. be clear about that. Mm-hmm. There are seven judgments in the New Testament. This one is the judgment seat of Christ, where our works are being judged, not us. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's very important, especially depending on you know how we understood salvation when we came to Christ. Put it this way, if we did not earn or do good works to be saved, how could we lose what we didn't attain? Mm-hmm. That's a big question, Hannah, for people that don't know 
really, are they saved? Right. He lived, he died, he was buried. He came back from the dead. We're trusting in Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. Yep. If you bolt on Ephesians 2.10, you have to do these good works to be saved. You've missed the whole point of his argument. Yep. These works that you can't do, he did. But you're to live in those good works going forward. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3, I want to go back to tie up this judgment seat. Paul writes in verse 13, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed by fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built on, remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, so as through fire. A fascinating passage. This day refers to this judgment day that he's talking about in 2 Corinthians. The judgment seat of Christ. Judgment of our works, not our lives. Now, look at this carefully. He uses different building materials. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw in descending quality. Hmm. You put those in a fire, Mm -hmm. the gold, silver, precious stones will come out of the fire. Wood's going to burn. Hay and straw are going to be burned away very quickly. So he's saying there is, and back to that word, uh, they're low quality. Mm-hmm. They're substandard works. So the judgment by fire determines the quality, very important, not the quantity of our works. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Stanley Toussaint, with the Lord now, uh, used to preach a major, wonderful sermon on this passage, and he'd use a lot of you know, arm waving, and he'd talk about this giant pile of works, and the judgment fire of God hits it. <laughs> And all that's left is little Brock. (laughs) And that's what we worry about, right? Um, But judgment is determining the quality of the works, not the quality of the man or woman. This is so important. Now, we don't know what that looks like as far as the aftermath of the fire. There's speculation through other passages we won't look at, but maybe these works and whatever remains we give back to Jesus. Yeah. Because what are you going to do with your work remnant that remained after the fire, the testing fire of God? You're going to wear it as a badge, as right. a crown? Of course right. not. You know, so there's some there's some guesstimations that we're going to give it back to Christ. Um, but be that as it may, now H.W. injects Romans seven, and he or she is exactly right. Romans seven is a fascinating chapter. Scholars disagree; they line up on two views of this. Either this is Paul before he came to Christ. Huh. or Paul's struggle as a Christian. And you can see why it would be appealing to say, well, uh, to say those things in Romans 7, I mean, he must not be saved. Hmm. Well, I think they missed Romans 6, 7, and 8 as a unit. Romans 6 exhorts us not to misunderstand grace. Hmm. Uh, shall we continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. Romans 7 explains the constant struggle in sin. And Romans 8 says, God justified us. It's a beautiful package. Mm. So in chapter 7, H.W. is right. I think, candidly, we're all prone to sin. The law reminds us of that. So we've got this conflict in our flesh and our new nature, and that's going to go on as long as we live. And Paul has the struggle. I love verse 24. Who will set me free from this body of death? You can just hear him agonizing. Mm -hmm. Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God. But, on the other, with my flesh, 
the law of sin. And then Romans 8.1 is the remarkable, wonderful, explosive proclamation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those mm. who are in Christ Jesus. Mm. So if we keep this unit together, we're not to live in sin, mm-hmm. knowing that God has this matchless grace. We're going to struggle with sin, but thank God there's no condemnation. Mm-hmm. Don't live in sin thinking you're going to get more and more grace. We're going to struggle with sin, but there's no condemnation. Then H.W. appeals to Psalm 103.12, and I love this psalm so much. We're told as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So what H.W. is thinking is, if sins are forgiven, yet we're judged, and we live with this tension. So a lot going on in this question. Yeah. I think it was Warren Wiersbe that said, when God forgives you, he throws your sins into the deepest part of the ocean and then puts a sign that says no fishing. <laughs> uh, but I think what most Christians miss is, interestingly, this phrase, he forgives us not because he's a good and kind God merely. He forgives us for his namesake. Yeah, yeah. And that's a very compelling passage in yeah. Psalm 25, 79, and other times Isaiah mentions this. So in a sense, God's reputation is pinned to the fact that he forgives his own people mm-hmm. for his namesake. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, he or she appeals to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is an area that you know we, and I include myself when I say we, I really, truly do, we miss some of the most obvious parts of the Bible. The verse begins with, be anxious for nothing. Why? because we're all anxious about different Everything. things at different times. Yeah. yeah, I saw some uh, uh, young woman's feed on Instagram the other day, and she had a picture of this agonizing, you know, clip art of this woman that's agonizing, and she goes, I'm anxious all the time. Yeah. And, I, you know, a lot of people live with anxiety. Yeah. And your, your stomach is a knot all the time. Anxious, this is a terrible way to live. You know, the Bible is completely up-to-date, relevant, eternal be anxious for nothing because he knows we're anxious about mm-hmm. things. Now, the Bible just doesn't say stop sinning. Right. The Bible always gives us things to repent or to turn to or to change or to do instead of. Uh-huh. Um, we had a friend in, in Grand Prairie, Texas that was a neighbor friend of ours and worked at the church. And his line was, why pray when you can worry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot easier to worry than it is to stop and pray. Right. Well, the injunction is don't be anxious. But in everything by prayer and supplication, and we miss this, with with thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Yeah. So you have to take a little stock and trade here. What am I thanking God for? Mm -hmm. My marriage, my wife, my children, my job, the fact that I woke up in a comfortable bed, I have air conditioning in the summer, heat in the winter, I've got food to eat, I've got Mm -hmm. friendships, I can come and go, Jesus forgives me, I shouldn't have guilt. I mean, we could go on and on this list Whatever is causing us anxiety, the antidote of that is if I'm worried, trust. If I'm afraid, be not afraid, rest in him. If I'm, you know, worried about my money, obviously we need to work and be good stewards, but trust that God's going to help us along the way. And he says this will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I don't want to sound trite or, you know, read your Bible and pray more. But I would do want to say to all of us, read your Bible and pray more. <laughs> because in, in in the Word and in prayer's life, we spend so... Do you wake up with your mind running? Oh, yeah. 
if the alarm goes off or if I have to get in the middle of the night, two o'clock, my mind just goes a hundred miles an hour. Yep. And I go, and it's not necessarily anxiety, but it's all the things that I want to do. I yep. need to do. I'm looking forward to doing. And I have to sit there and lay and say, easily, you got to rest. And even if you just lay here for a while, yep. don't jump up and start getting busy. And that's a great time to pray. Mm-hmm. It's a great time to reflect on yesterday and what's going on today and ask the Lord for help instead of, you know, why pray when you can worry, uh, you know, pray and set the worry aside. Yeah. Let your request be known to God. You know, the penitent sinner is a great image. They were always waking up every morning, the penitent sinner. Mm. We all have regrets of yesterday. I wish I could have done something. I wish, you know, I was interviewing someone a while back and we were joking about repartee. Mm-hmm. Repartee is what you think of the next morning in the shower. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like spiritual. Like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I, should, oh, yeah. I, I had not used those words and I've been more kind. Or I should have said this when I had the chance to say something mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, our regrets may be. The great thing is God forgives and he renews us every day. We have that opportunity to start out on a new foot. And let me encourage H.W. and anyone, I think these are a lot of co-mingled questions, but at the heart, I think, we're struggling because we're sinners. We know somehow God's going to judge our works, and yet, I think, H.W., you're all on the right track already. Be anxious for nothing. Uh, I think it's a great place to say, Lord, I'm anxious about these things. I don't know what this means. Can I rest in you and then be quiet? Read rest, trust. And I think over time, this is what I would call the spiritual disciplines. The more time I'm in God's word, asking for his spirit to help me and around God's people, I can be at rest. And I'll also add, the older you get, this ought to be an area of growth. Hmm. Um, I think in our 20s and 30s, we're we're active, we're busy, we're reacting to everything with children and work and marriage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have teenagers, your life is just a continual challenge and then, you know, about the time you've seen enough battles in your family and your marriage and your finances, your health, you get a little older, you go, you know, God's been with us to this very day. Why are we so worried? And you start to learn. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any substitute for experience, even in the Christian life. You have to learn these things. And God, wonderfully, is a very patient teacher. So hope I got close, H.W. A lot of, <laughs> lot of stuff in that question of yours. But, but I want to encourage you, if you're asking those questions and wrestling with that stuff, I think you're on the right track, brother. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694. Or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain, and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.